You are listening to the Chasing PRs podcast. Hey, marathoners, have you ever wondered what not to do as you chase that marathon finish line? Well, today we are breaking down the top five marathon missteps and how you can dodge them. Stay tuned. Hi, we are your hosts, Rochelle Weeks and Diego Alcubierre. And with over 20 years of combined experience in coaching and physiotherapy, we created this podcast to help everyday runners who want to make the most out of their training and achieve new personal records while managing work, family, and life outside running. Welcome. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Chasing PRs. I am Diego. I'm Rochelle. And... Let's do that again. You say what we're talking about today. Oh, I don't remember it. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're going, we're turning the tables back to marathon training. We talked about the 5K, but we're going to talk about marathon training now. And it's the five things to not do during a marathon. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked a lot about what to do, how to fuel, how to do long runs, speed sessions. We've talked a lot of things, but not things that you can avoid. Yeah. Right. And I think those are as important as a thing you can do to not get injured and to me like in prime state mm -hmm. of fitness when your marathon comes. And I think if you're listening to this and you're not a marathon runner or you're not training for a marathon, there's still a lot of tips that could be transferred over to a half or an ultra marathon or a 5K. It's yeah, just mostly marathon focus. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's, I think there's one really interesting episode we have, the fueling one. Uh, we're going to talk a little about fueling, but if you want to know all about fueling mm -hmm. during your long runs and your marathon, go back and, and listen to that one. It's a, one of our most successful episodes. Yeah. Okay. Let's start with our training weeks. How was your training week? I think last week was my best week of this build. That's the, perfect. It, it, things are changing. Tides are turning. <laughs> it was a weird week. It's a right the right time to do it. Seven weeks of, from, Boston, from yeah. Chicago. Sorry. Yeah. So it, I got my long run in. And it was 28 kilometers, but it was on Thursday because yeah. Diego and I went on a canoe trip this weekend. So yeah. we were like gone Friday until Sunday evening. So it was a weird week to try to schedule. So instead of doing speed Thursday, I did my long run, which I found was okay because the weekend before we did the relay race and I only did 18K total. So I and wasn't it was like, like a speed work, right? Because you, you did 18K. I think you did at the time really fast yeah and it was saturday yeah so if i had done like a 30k run sunday i don't know if i would have wanted to do 28 thursday yeah. it, it's not enough recovery time but it was just kind of perfect timing so i did my long run thursday and it was the first time a long run felt good in a while and then last night after we got back from the canoe trip i tried this Saucony pro kimbara pros kimbara yeah. pros thank you for the first time and they were amazing. So I was like, oh, I don't know if I'll do speed work. And then I started running and I was like, I need to do speed in these. So I did some 800s and they felt amazing. Yeah. So good. Next time we should buy some running shoes we're going to recommend and sell them. Yeah. I'm going to talk to Salconi and can we have some Kimbara pros? Let's get a kickback. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, well, they're they really were, good. I love them. They were very, like, I'm someone who has, I have a really wide foot, especially since having Emily. And I felt like all I could wear is alpha or sorry, topos and ultras. And then you suggested these ones. And I was like, oh, these are really, and I got the wide version. Yeah. And I think they feel even better than the topos. And then for the whole week, I managed to get 81 kilometers in. And I did things that I normally hate, like Friday morning. 
I ran at 6.45 in the morning. And if anybody knows me, I do not run before like 10. I hate <laughs> running early in the morning. I got to say it was actually kind of nice. I went really slow and it was cool and it wasn't humid. And I'm not going to start doing that regularly, but that one time I was really nice. But yeah, that was, it was a really good training week. And now looking forward to Chicago, we have seven weeks. Yeah. I don't think there's any more weird weeks. Like it should just, I'm hoping the weather, just the humidity yeah, dies off. Summer is pretty much. Yeah. All the like get togethers and friends coming and stuff and trips are done. So I'm hoping I can just like focus everything on kind of fine tuning things. Cool. Yeah. I was going to ask you, but sometimes 81 kilometers, right? Yeah. You need to do those kind of little things that go really early or change your long run or, and, and we talk about this and this, it's, it's like the concept of the podcast, right? How do you fit in marathon training or trying to be a competitive age grouper with family and work? And sometimes those are the things you, you need to do. Mm -hmm. Wake up early, come back for a trip and, and do a, a, a speed session, change your long run to a weekday. And if you do it smartly, and that's our goal with sharing these kind of week reviews, you can do it, right? Because sometimes, yeah. no, 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 you can't do it on a weekday because you're going to be tired all day or you don't, you're not going to feed your speed session. And, but you need to prioritize and, okay, what's the main goal of my, of my training? For example, for marathon training, it's long runs, mm -hmm. right? You were I didn't want to skip that. Exactly. If you were training for a 5K, you will probably have done a speed session on Thursday instead yeah. of a long run. So you need to have those little nuances to, to, to change a little your, your training, but you certainly can train a lot and be a successful parent. I think one of the things too with the, like doing it in a smart way, I ran 28K Thursday and finished at around 6, 6.30 at night. Okay. And then I was like, oh, I'd really like to run 6K tomorrow morning, like 12 hours later. Yeah. It's like, but that might not be a very good idea. But if I do it, then I'll probably be able to get like my 80K in for the week. And a lot of people be like, oh my God, don't do that. That's stupid. But I was just like, I'm just going to wake up and see how my body feels. Yeah. I wasn't like, I'm doing it no matter what. I just kind of woke up. I didn't set the alarm. I woke up and was like, I feel okay. And then I started running in the first kilometer. I was like, oh, I'm pretty stiff. Maybe I should just do a walk. And then like 800 meters in, I was like, no, this feels good. And I just went super slow. And same thing last night. I got back from the canoe trip and it's like, I just slept two nights in a tent sitting around the campfire late at night, like paddling all day. I shouldn't do speed work, but I felt fine. So in the back of my mind, I was like, if I get a nine or 10K run in tonight, I'll have 80 done for the week. But I wasn't like, I have to run tonight. Okay. So then once I put my daughter down to bed, I was like, that's going to go for an easy run. But then the shoes felt so good. <laughs> I was like, I didn't do speed this week. I'm going to do some 800s. I remember the first time I put on my vapor flies, the first ones, the pink ones that the Kipchoge wore. Yeah. I put, the, put them on and I was like, this is freaking awesome. And I went and tried to do my fastest 1K ever. And did you? No. No? But like for four seconds, right? And I wasn't planning. When, when, you, when I try to do a fast 1K or mile or whatever, I plan it and I have the perfect breakfast and I have great rest the night before. And that day it was like, I'm going to try it. And I was like four seconds off and I was like, okay, I love this. These shirts. are good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What I was going to say. Okay, yeah. There's this thing called recovery runs. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what you did on, on Friday, on Friday morning. Totally. It's like a super slow, great shoes, bouncy, the recovery. You're not using a, a race shoe or you're, you're using the, the soft ones, the, the comfortable, the comfortable ones. Mm -hmm. So 
there's these things called recovery wrongs. And I remember when we interviewed Malindi Elmore that she runs every day. Yeah. And their, her recovery runs are like without watch. It's just, I'm going to go see how I feel and just be awesome. Speaking about Malindi, I wish everyone in Kelowna to be safe oh, and I awesome. Know. It's incredible how the wildfires are down there. I've been, I follow her on Instagram and I have a, new, a few other friends of, from the live in Kelowna and that area. And it's crazy. They're all, all evacuated. And I saw, I saw the, the weather and it's supposed to rain Tuesday. I know this episode goes live on Thursday, so it's Monday today. It's Monday. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I just want to wish everyone the best luck and safe and a lot of rain in the few next few days. When we were camping, you're kind of off the grid and no internet for a couple of days. And we came back and I was like, oh, Melinda's doing Berlin. That's so cool. I wonder if she's going to go for the Canadian record. And then five seconds later, I was like, oh, my God, she's had to evacuate and rip her, her kids home, out of bed yeah. in the middle of the night. And yeah, it's crazy. Race away from their home. So, yeah. Yeah, hopefully everyone Scary. staying safe there. Yeah. So our best wishes to Kelowna people mm-hmm. and all that area, the Okanagan yeah. Valley. My race, no, I, I <laughs> no race last week I, for I, a change. I, I love races. <laughs> uh, I hit 100K yeah. last week. That felt really good because I'm injured. Well, kind of injured. My calf is bothering me. I haven't done speed work in like four weeks. So I was like, what can I do to compensate it? I have a lot of energy if I don't mm-hmm. do speed work. So uh, let's b- bump up the, the mileage. So I was able to, to hit 100K. And luckily, my body is feeling awesome. We have this, this trip, so I'm not running three days in a row. And I find something very interesting. Or when, One thing I did, it's my long run, I also did it on Thursday. And I added marathon pace work. Mm-hmm. It's not speed, speed, because you're not running super fast, but it was good enough. For, it's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah. yeah. And my calf is start, it's starting to feel good about it. So... That's the thing with injuries. You If you keep running, but you just tweak things, like a lot of injuries get worse with speed. So sometimes you can keep the volume or even raise it yeah, and your I mean. calf is getting better. Yeah. But you just did a hundred kilometer week. Yeah. So I, I also have a good friend that is a physio and she treats my... You should give me her info. I should yeah, reach yeah. out to her. I'll, I'll, I'll give you her <laughs> contact later. <laughs> and yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling really good. And the funny thing is, I don't know if people remember, last week I talked about my calf felt feeling better after this racing on Saturday, mm-hmm. but we were really active, right? So being active and up and down and walking and jogging, I think really helped. And I, 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 I'm feeling the same thing this today. Mm-hmm. During the weekend, so tiring to paddle for five hours. Yeah. So my back And then was... portaging, although we didn't have to do too much portaging, but, but you're carrying a canoe up a hill. Friday, and... Saturday, and Sunday, we were super active, but standing up and carrying canoes and sheet and yeah. paddling for hours and we hours and hours. 35, 36 so, kilometers, I think. Yeah. Almost a marathon. We should have went further. Just make <laughs> <Just>, a marathon. <laughs> it's another lap to a few islands. And my body's feeling, I don't have pretty much any needles today. And I yeah. did 100K last week and I don't have any needles. So staying active is super important. And for people like, like me that work in my house, so I don't have to walk a lot. Yeah. Sitting down all day. I'm I'm really finding the benefits of being more active and standing up and walking to to recover. So I just want to yeah. say that if you if you are in the same boat as me and a lot of people after the pandemic start working from home, uh, just be more active, however you can. And I think it was my best re- rest weekend ever mm-hmm. because 
a regular rest weekend will be lying down in the couch, going to the movies or watching movies with the kids. And this one was like super active and I have... Chopping firewood. <laughs> you don't normally do that. Exactly. <laughs> There's little things, but I don't have pretty much any yeah. needles today. My calf still has a few tight spots. Then I'm going to go see my friend later. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, stay active. I think it's super important. I think you also did it with your 6K on Friday morning. It's what you're staying active. It's just it's not pounding your your legs or it's just staying active and yeah. letting your blood like flush all everything bad in your body. I find one thing that works for runners who have desk jobs is because we're very number focused, most of us, yeah. is just the step count. Try to get 10,000 steps in a day. So if you've got your watch on and, you know, if you go do a 20K run, still try to be active. Don't be like, okay, that's my steps. I'm yeah. going to sit on the couch for the rest of the day. But even just trying to have a certain step count goal each day can go a long way because then you're like, okay, I haven't moved in a while. I better go walk up the stairs and get something and come back down or walk around the block. Or I'm yeah. going to give you a tip to stay more active around steps. I bought my six-year-old a Fitbit and he's obsessed with steps. Really? So every night we'll have smartwatches, right? Every night is like, how many steps do you have? To my wife, my daughter, me, and he. It's like a competition. It's like a, it's like really a competition. So he does a lot of freaking steps because he's small. So every, we counted like every one step mine is like three of him. Yeah. So every night is like, how many do you have? How many do you have? And it really pushed me to to be more active and to to try to walk more. So just you don't to beat get beaten him. by your six year old. Yeah. <laughs> so that was fun. That's awesome. Okay, let's go into the five things to not do during marathon training. Mm-hmm. And the first one, I think, is the most important one. I'm going to yeah. say it at the end. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> do you want to say it? Yeah, stay tuned. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. yeah, the first one, I think, is definitely the most important. It's just overtraining. Do not overtrain. Don't it's, it's so... bite off more than you can chew with regards to just deciding to do a marathon in the first place. Yeah. But then there's like a million training programs you can follow. So picking I... your program, do not overtrain by picking a program that's out of your reach. Yeah. And I think we've talked a lot, a lot about not comparing yourself. And if you follow a lot of people on, on Strava or Garmin or Instagram, like, oh, they are doing the same race as me and they're already doing a hundred K or a hundred miles, I don't know, whatever, 80, 80 miles a week. And I'm at 50 and I need to try trying to train more and stuff like that. That's where you start to overtrain or I'm, do, I'm not feeling good, but I'm still doing my speed work and I'm still doing my 30 K long run because I have to. Yeah. That's, and it's so easy to to get into that into that game, especially with marathon training, because we all yeah. believe that more 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 mileage the better, and it's not always the case. And with Strava, it's so easy to compare. You can go on and look at someone's weekly mileage, or with Garmin, like you can just see everything everyone else is doing. But I think if you decide to do a marathon, pick the right time to do one, and then pick a realistic goal. If you look at it and you're like, okay, realistically, I can run 30k a week you're probably not in the right time of your life to train for a marathon. I don't think off 30K a week. But if you look at it and you think, well, I can get up to 70 or 80, but I'd really like to get up to 100. Well, can you realistically fit 100 kilometer weeks in? Just because, you know, Diego said on the podcast, he's doing 100 and you're thinking, okay, maybe I should get up to 100, but you're already really scrounging and reaching to fit 80 in. Yeah. It'd probably not do you good to add another 20 in. If anything, it'd probably be a negative thing. So overtraining is something you want to avoid because then the other thing too is you start resenting running and you don't want to hate running and like by the time your marathon comes, you can't wait to get it over with and then you're never going to do another marathon again. Yeah, that's true. The people who do that, it's because they overtrain. They just did too much for what they could realistically do. Yeah. 
And the more you know sometimes and the more you compare yourself, it's harder and harder and harder. I was talking to my wife the other day and for my first marathon, I didn't just travel. I didn't have friends on Garmin. My friends were, were doing triathlon. So I, I had nothing, no one to compare with. And I ran a three hours and three minutes marathon in 60 kilometer mm -hmm. race. Yeah. So you don't need to go to 80. You don't need to go to 60. You don't need to do anything. You just follow a plan, stick to it. And you are going to set up for your success if you don't start stressing. We've talked about a lot of recovery and mm -hmm. how um, just being like at ease with yourself, like chill and relax can go a long way in recovery during your day. Yeah. Um, so if you are stressed about it, you are not helping your recovery. Yeah. Right. Um, a few signs that people can be aware if they are overtraining. One, resting heart rate. Yeah. That's super important. If, if it starts to go up, you are, you are probably start to overtrain another one. And usually if you have a Garmin, you can see your resting heart rate and your heart rate at night and first thing in the morning. Another one, if, if just all of your runs are feeling crappy. Yeah. Like it's normal to go out like once a week or every now and then and just have a really shitty run. Yeah. But if you just, everyone feels like, oh, you're dragging yourself out the door and then on the run, it feels awful. You can't wait for it to be done and everything just doesn't, nothing's clicking. And that goes on for like, say, two weeks. You, it's either you're burning something, like you're getting sick, you have an illness coming or you're overtraining, I think. Yeah. yeah. Or you're feeling yourself. That is the next, the, next, the next point. And also another one is like, if you're sleeping terribly. Yeah. That's another sign of overtraining. And I think mentally, just if you're resenting running, if you're not enjoying it anymore, yeah. you might need to stay, take a step back and think, should I switch to a half? Should I switch to a 10K? Should I move my fall marathon to a spring one? Like it might, it's never too late to change your mind and just sometimes you lose some money. Yes. I, and I think one of the main, the main things I want to say here, it's, it's easier to overtrain than to undertrain, mm -hmm. right? And it, only if you are running really, really low mileage, like you mentioned like 30K weeks, 40K weeks, maybe your marathon is not going great. But if you start going above, 50k weeks, 60k weeks, and you have solid long runs, you have solid speed work, you're going to suffer the last 12k. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> but you are going to be able to, to do it. So You'll finish it. Yeah. Go with what you can manage. But if you're starting overtraining, you, you can get injured. So there's a lot of bad things about overtraining. And I think the only, there are fewer bad things about undertraining. Yeah. It's going to feel like shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the last few k. And you may get injured after the marathon, right? Mm -hmm. Because your body's not used to it. But other than that, I don't, I don't, I don't see another, another terrible one. I'd rather see someone under train and then the next time they do a marathon come up a little bit. And then the next time they do a marathon up a little bit, then like dive in head first and be like, okay, yeah. I'm going to do 90K weeks and two speed a week. And then they just yeah. are like, that was awful. We're not saying that you should only be running 50K. No. You can run more. But if that's all you can run, mm -hmm. and you just mentioned, adjust your expectations, you're probably not going to run a Boston qualifying time in yeah. 40, 50K. What I have to wins. do when I'm sitting down to plan out a block is I'll look at like, okay, how much, when could I run Monday and how much time do I have? And then I'll do that for every day of the week. Mm -hmm. And it's what I want to do. Like, I don't like running at 6.30 in the morning. Friday was an exception. So I'm not going to be like, well, I could run every morning at 6.30 because then all of a sudden I can do like 100 mile weeks if yeah. I do that. But I don't enjoy morning running, so I don't count that. So I'm like, okay, Monday I run on my lunch break, but I only have an hour lunch break, so I can get like 6K in. Tuesday I have an hour and a half lunch break, so I usually get 10. Wednesday I don't work until 1 o'clock. 
so I can do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I do that each day. Wake up at 10. And then, yeah, wake up at 10. That's, I'm usually up early. I just don't. Emily will wake me like anywhere between 6 and 7, but I'm just not in the mood to run yet. I got <laughs> to take a little bit of time and wake up. But I'll look at what I can realistically do and then what I want to do each day of the week. And then I can decide like, okay, how much can I get my weekly mileage up to? Yeah, that's very important. Yeah. So don't overtrain. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. Number two. Ignoring nutrition. Oh, this is. This is I huge. think I'm going to say at, at, at every point, oh, this is so important. Oh, yeah. this is so important. I don't know if I could pick one of them out of the five that we have that is the most important because they all are. Yeah, but, but yeah. nutrition is paramount yeah. to your success. The more I take care of my nutrition, the more success I have, the easier the runs feel, the faster I can go, the better I feel. Mm -hmm. I, I, I hear a lot of people saying, no, I'm really tired after training. And maybe you're, you are. <laughs> I'm, I am too sometimes. Yeah. But you are not feeling properly. So we have a full episode about fueling. We talk about how many carbs you can eat before, after, during, the timing. Yeah, that's protein a, after the long runs and the hard workouts. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's, that's very important. And what do you think it's one of the main mistakes people can make during marathon training and fueling? I feel like it's just not educating themselves and reading up on it, like not getting enough carbs in, not getting enough pro, not getting enough par carbs in for fuel, and then not getting enough protein in after, and just not being aware of that. Like it takes a simple Google search or just picking up a book on running nutrition. Or listening to Chasing Pierce. Or listening to our podcast, yeah. To realize like, oh, okay, I shouldn't have like steak and a salad the night before 30K. Yeah, you need carbs. And I shouldn't just have, you know, a banana the morning of a long run. And But some people, it kind of amazes me sometimes how hard and dedicated someone will be. They'll put so many hours a week into training, buy all the new gear and the shoes and the vests and all this stuff. And then they're like sabotaging their training just because they're not eating enough yeah. or they're not fueling right or they're just not eating the right things. It's just such a, feel like it's a waste of time to do it without focusing on the fuel because you're just missing such a big piece of the puzzle. And one that you mentioned a lot, don't try to lose weight at the yes. expense of fueling. Yeah. Right? You can lose weight and we, t we talk about it mm -hmm. a little, but don't, don't, don't do it at the expense of, of fueling. That's it's first fuel to have a great run, mm -hmm. to recover from that run. And then you can start thinking about losing Yeah. There's a Featherstone Nutrition. I follow her in her posts. I think it was this morning. It was something like, don't run so you can eat. Eat so you can run. That's cool. Like, eat so you can run well. So you shouldn't think of food as like, oh, I, I deserve this. I'm going to have all, everything I want and all this junk food. It's more, and it doesn't mean you can't have junk. But you're just really thinking smartly about like, okay, I've got a lot of running to do this week. What am I going to eat for suppers and breakfasts? And Yeah, so but, have yourself for success in that. Yeah. There is something we've talked about on the podcast before, low energy availability or relative energy deficiency in sport. And it's just when a runner is not eating enough, basically. Yeah. They're not eating and fueling enough. And sometimes it's an obvious thing. Like a runner's like, I'm going to try to lose weight. And then they get a stress fracture. And then we talk and it's like, oh, yeah, you're not fueling your bones enough to be doing this. But sometimes it's not obvious. Like I saw, a po I'm making assumptions with this, but Killian Jornet is one of the he is like the best ultra runner. trail ultra runner yeah. in the world. And he's out of UTMB right now with a sacral injury, which I'm assuming is a sacral stress fracture. Okay. Because there's not much else you can do to the sacrum unless he fell down <laughs> and broke it, like actually cracked it. And when you get a stress fracture in your back or your pelvis, it's more often than not related to low energy availability. You're just not eating enough. 
he's very smart and has been running for a really long time. There's no way he was like, I'm going to just get super lean for this race. It's probably just he was training so much and, and he wasn't fueled enough. fueling enough. Yeah. But it happened accidentally. And again, this is all assumptions, but things like that, it, it wasn't a purposeful thing. So you just have to like educate yourself, listen to good podcasts, read the good books, Google and follow the good websites and make sure you're doing things right because it's yeah, a big... And the other thing, it's like, experiment uh, try your fueling strategy during your long runs i yes. see so many people oh the day before i'm gonna try morton or whatever gel or strategy there is so practice that during long, your long runs long runs are not only for running right? yeah time on feet time on feet it's yeah. also yet yeah, uh, experiment with your shoes or not experiment uh, train with your shoes uh with your fueling what are you having uh research what the fueling they're going to have in the race. Mm -hmm. For example, there are some races that have noon that doesn't have carbs. So how are you going to compensate those things? Are they have, most don't have more tents in, in some places. Chicago has Gatorade Endurance. So I'm going to yeah. buy some Gatorade Endurance to see how they feel in my, in my gut and how, so th those kind of things in, about fueling, you can mm -hmm. also train them during your, your long runs. And that's, that's important. Yeah. I think anytime a long run goes, if it's 26 or longer. That's when I'm like, okay, what socks am I wearing? What am I eating? What am I eating the night before? Like, anytime you have a 26k or longer run, that's like practice what you're gonna do race day, and even stupid things like your socks, your sports bra. If, yeah. Like, if you wear one, it's all these little stupid things that can chafe and rub the wrong way and kind of really make your marathon hurt more than it's already going to hurt. Yeah, to <laughs> it's gonna hurt. Yeah, it's gonna hurt. It doesn't it's matter just... how you, how much you train, how better, how good you feel, that's yeah. gonna hurt. If yeah. it doesn't hurt. You did something. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if I mentioned my strategy to losing weight during marathon training mm -hmm. or running. I know like my basal calorie needs, right? It's around 2000 calories a day. And then it's That's not, without running. Yeah. Okay. That, that's what, maybe I'm not saying that word correctly. Basal. It's like the energy your body needs to survive. Yeah. 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 And you can. You can just go with your whatever your Garmin says, but you can go to a sports nutritionist and they will tell you your your calorie needs just to survive, <laughs> yeah. to breathe, to digest. To... And then it's not science. It's something I meant. <laughs> uh, your Garmin or whatever watches you use tells you how much calories you burn during your work. It's it's not perfect science because, but it's a, it's a ballpark. Mm -hmm. So what I do, it's like, I, I eat my eight, my 2000 calories, and then I eat half of what I burned during my runs. If you're trying to lose weight. Yes. Okay. And that way I started in May 29th of this year. My goal was, is <laughs> to lose around 10 pounds mm -hmm. in four months. And I'm at six pounds less. Okay. With only that strategy. And I think it works because when, when do your, your long runs? I end up burning pretty much 5,000 calories in a day, uh, so I can eat a lot. Yeah. And if it's an easy day, then you just run six kilometers or 10 kilometers, and you just burn 700 calories extra, so you can eat that little extra. And I'm never that hungry, and I think I'm feeling properly, so that's a not scientific strategy. Mm -hmm. to. But then you just, just keep it simple. Like, So if I had a patient telling me that, I would say, like, are you going to bed hungry? Are you starving by the time you let yourself eat lunch? By the time supper rolls around, are you like ready to eat the table? And if you're like, no, like I feel fine, then I think that's okay. Yeah. And yeah. when you're running 100 kilometer weeks, 
Believe mm -hmm. me, you are not hungry. You can eat You're all freaking day. Yeah. And still lose weight. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, let's go to number three. You like, you're going to love this one. Don't forget the cross training. Yeah. Which, of course, mainly strength, strength training, training. But there's other stuff in there too. But yeah, it's, I think that's one thing that's a lot of marathoners get into it and then they're like, oh, I was biking and I was strength training. I was doing this, but I just don't have time for any of that now. And to me, if you're doing like 80 kilometers a week and you're like, I don't have time to strength train, I think you'd do better in your race if you did 70K a week and took those, that hour, hour every time that you would save or maybe longer or shorter, depending on how fast you're running. And you divide it in two and you do a 30 minute strength in the beginning of the week and 30 minutes later. I, I feel and I believe the research would agree with me that you do better as a runner to get the strength in. Yeah. And I think I've mentioned this, we've mentioned this a couple of times, like triathletes, when we interviewed Jess Turanek, she's not running that much mileage, mm -hmm. but she's biking and swimming a lot. And she's running crazy fast times in the half marathon after 90 kilometers on the, on the bike. She's what, 127, I think, in her last half marathon. I think so, yeah. So I, I know a lot of runners that want at 127 half marathon just running and that they train a hundred kilometer weeks and they do speed sessions and they just can't do it. And she's doing it in three days a week. I know mm. I'm not saying you can do that. And it's, it's, it's just an, it's an option. Yeah. And when I, the end of last year, when I was like planning my life <laughs> that I, that I mentioned, I want to do a 229 marathon. Mm -hmm. So I went in and picked four local runners or close local runners that are running two hours, 30 marathons and they, they, that, 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 and have their Strava like public. So I, my, my, my sister helped me. We, I, we put everything in a spreadsheet, all their trainings for the past four months before their two thirty mark. It's incredible how much they buy. Oh, interesting. There's, there are three guys, right? One ran around 2,200 kilometers in the four months before the marathon. He didn't bike a lot. The other one did around 1,600 kilometers running. And the other one, I think it was 1,500 or 1,400 kilometers, 1,400 running. Mm -hmm. But they bike 2,000, something like that. So that's a lot of cross yeah. training. It's not that much. Money. So one of them ran like 30% less than the other, but both of them achieved a 230 marathon. So cross training, in this case, cycling yeah. or strength training can go a long, long way. And if you are injury prone, for example, switching some mileage for strength training or cycling or swimming or whatever, you're going to keep that cardiovascular system stressed and you can become a great runner. And it's low impact. Yeah. I think I've said this before, but Natasha Wodak, the current Canadian uh, marathon record holder, she does a lot on the elliptical. Her Strava is open and you can follow her. She does a lot. Yeah. Same with Meb, Meb Kaflensky in her butcher his last name, but yeah. he won Boston. He's an American. And he did a lot on the elliptical because he would just get injured. And I find it's tricky because some runners come in and they'll tell me, oh, I can't run anything more than 70K, I get injured. But then their protein intake sucks and they don't do any strength training and, and they don't focus on sleep after long runs. And it's like, well, you probably could. You're just not doing the right things. But some people do all the right things and they're like, anytime I go over blank, I just get injured. Yeah. And that blank, that number isn't really high enough to have rock your marathon and do a really good job. And that's when I think 
do all the other things right. And then if your weekly mileage isn't really where you ideally want it for your goal time, then you supplement it with biking, I think is probably biking and elliptical are probably the most closely linked one to running. If it, if you live somewhere in the winter, I think cross-country skiing is absolutely phenomenal yeah, for cardio. It's so hard. So there, there's other things. Honestly, you should probably just pick what you enjoy. Yeah. Because if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I hate biking. Don't, do it, don't yeah. make yourself go bike because then you resent it and yeah. that's no good. But you find something you enjoy. Yeah. So yeah, cross-training can go a long, long way to just stay active. I just mentioned stay active at the beginning of the podcast. Mm -hmm. And just being, and we've mentioned become a better athlete overall will help you become a better runner. So, yeah. Don't skip cross, don't skip cross training. Number four. Oh, this is really important. I'm going to say. This is your yeah, favorite one, maybe. <laughs> yeah, this is my favorite one. <laughs> don't, neglect, don't neglect speed work. Yeah. Some people think that because they're doing a marathon and it's not that fast relative to your 5K or your 10K, that it's like you just need to get the long runs and the weekly volume up. But speed is very important. Yeah, we've talked about like your maximum velocity. The faster you can run in a sprint, the easier your easy pace are going are gonna to feel. So if you can improve your kilometer time, your 5K time, your 400 meter time, mm -hmm. your marathon speed is going to feel easier <laughs> and your long runs are going to feel easier. I learned this from my triathlon coach. She was a, an, an awesome Ironman runner. She worked full time at the bank. She had diabetes. She had her own triathlon team. And she qualified and, and ran an Ironman in Kona. Wow. Yeah, she was, she was awesome. And I told her I hate long runs. <laughs> I, I hate them today and I hated them 10 years ago. And she didn't tell you to quit. No. She was like, what are you doing here? And she told me like, your long runs are going to make your speed sessions feel easier. And your speed sessions are going to make your long runs feel easier. And yeah. I go, okay, I trust you and I'm going to try it. And that's completely true. Mm -hmm. So yeah, speed work can go a long way to help you become a better marathon runner and everything, right? I, I see so many runners also obsessing, okay, I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to do speed work and they only do mile repeats mm -hmm. or 3K repeats and they forget about the 400 meters or 200 meters or 30, 30 seconds by 30 seconds that we, I love. You need to mix it up. Right? Yeah, variety every, is key. Every kind of speed work from, you, you don't need to do all of your speed work 400 super fast you don't need to do all your speed work, mile repeats. You just fix them up. Yeah. And the more complicated you want to go, I see a lot of professional athletes doing mile repeats followed by 400s. Mm -hmm. To kind of replicate that like push at the finish when you're tired and you got to get the turnover. Yeah. I, when I did Cornwall, my goal was to beat my Boston qualifying time by more than five minutes. Okay. So my goal was 4.55 pace. And because I was doing all the speed work at like, it was usually anywhere between a four and a 4.15 over the winter, minutes per kilometer. Because I was doing four to 4.15, 4.55 felt easier. If I was doing just kind of moderate runs at like a 4.45 pace, then that 4.55 wouldn't have felt as comfortable. Yeah. And that's from someone who like, we tried to qualify for Boston and we did and we're very like time focused. But yeah. if you're listening to this and you're like, well, all I want to do is finish. I don't care about qualifying time. I just want to do it. And, you know, I have athletes who want to go under six hours because their marathon cutoff time for the marathon they're doing is six hours. And they're like, so I don't need to do speed. 
But if you have time to add in speed, it's still important because runners who run the same pace every single day are more likely to get injured than runners mixed up a bit. Yeah, for sure. Running is super repetitive. That's why we get injured. So if you do like a seven minute pace every single day that you run, you're more likely to get injured than the exact same the replica of you who does, you know, most of the runs at a seven minute, but once or twice a week does speed. Yeah. I like to do this analogy like about strength training. Imagine two guys or two girls in the gym, right? One can do a 50-pound hamstring curl, and the other one can do only a 10-pound hamstring curl. Ask them to do a one-pound hamstring curl. Who do you think is going to be able to do more curls? Mm -hmm. The 50-pound, the right? Yeah. He's stronger. So that translates to speed session. Who do you think is going to be able to do a more successful marathon? The one, the guy that can run a three minutes per kilometer, 400 meters, or the guy that can run a 400, four minutes per kilometer, 400 meters. Yeah. The, the three one, right? Uh, even if the, if the other guy is doing more long runs and have more mileage, mileage the speed, that speed translate, and it's, it's just that, that percentage of your top speed versus your marathon speed or whatever race you're doing, the higher your top speed, the easier it's going to feel your, yeah. the percentage of your top speed is going to feel easier. Yeah, right? definitely. That makes sense. And I think like with the speed work, if you're not careful and you bite off more than you can chew to go back to the overtraining, the first point, yeah. if you're like, okay, well, I'm going to do speed twice a week and I'm going to strength train twice a week and I'm going to do a long run, I'm going to do all these things and you start to feel burnt out, the long run can't go anywhere. The strength train shouldn't go anywhere. Now, if you're doing like an hour twice a week, you could cut it back to 30 minutes. But you can do speed once a week. You don't have to do it twice a week. And especially for marathon training. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. If it's a 5K, then it's like, oh, make sure to get that speed in twice a week. Yeah. But for marathon training, you can have a really... I ran Cornwall and did my BQ with one speed a week. Yeah. Yeah, I ran Boston with one. Yeah. And right now, I'm pretty much doing one a week. Well, maybe two because I'm playing soccer. That's, <laughs> that's a lot of... <laughs> a lot of sprinting and stopping. So we'll see two, but, but normally it's one. That's another way of cross-training. Yeah. Right? Doing soccer. As long as you don't get injured. Yeah. I want to do, I'm, I'm going to join a basketball team next winter. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So it'll be very similar. It'll be like good VVO2 max sessions. Yeah. You'll be running with your Garmin going off with a kilometer <laughs> and everyone will be like, what the hell was that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm planning to do that. Yeah. So I just, I'm really hoping not to twist my ankle. That's the thing with soccer right now. Every time I play on Friday night, it's just a master's women's league. It's not like crazy hardcore, but it is soccer. And every time it's done, I'm like, whew, okay, got through that without getting injured. You don't feel really old when you say a master's women's league? No. No, that's good. I feel no. really old. I mean, a master's basketball league. <laughs> I'm so... I'm just, well, I think I don't feel... I feel like it's where I belong because okay. when I show up <laughs> and I see all the youngins playing on like the, the turf fields and we go to our grassy field in the back, I'm like, oh, thank God I'm not playing with them. <laughs> they look really hardcore and I would definitely get injured over there. I that's haven't awesome. played like that in a yeah. long time. Yeah, but that's, yeah. that's another way of cross -trip. And you have to turn your garment on because my, my Strava map after soccer looks really funny. It's like a crazy straw. <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> Perfecting. Perfecting. What's yeah. Perfecting, what's that word? That doesn't even exist, right? Perfecting? I think that's a word. Yeah? I just can't but, think of how to use it right now. Exactly. It didn't apply to this one. Okay. No. Perfect. <laughs> <What's that? laughs> yeah, there we go. Number five. Oh, this is my favorite. Another favorite. <laughs> I think they're just all 
Yeah. It's just five, so they're all important. Don't neglect any of them, yeah. Don't neglect mental preparation, your mental state. I I was going to say, especially in a marathon, but it's also useful in a 5K. 5K as well. Or a 10K, or a half marathon. Everything, ultra-marathon, trail run. If you're running fast, you need to mentally and psychologically prepare for being able to suffer. Yeah. If you are not prepared for that, you are setting up your, yourself for failure. Because if you if you are running fast, there's going to be a point. I don't care how much you train, you cross train, you took care of your nutrition, mm-hmm. of your speed, or of yeah. your long runs. If you run fast, there's going to be a point that is a. I don't want to do this. Yeah, and you have to have a plan for because your head's going to go there. Yeah. So what's your plan when that happens? And that. I think it's that that's very important because once you go there, it's so hard to get out of it. It's like a vicious circle and your mind starts to pinpoint everything. Like, okay, I'm tired and I have this niggle and, oh no, it's the first time in my life I'm running 42 kilometers. You go in a rabbit hole like crazy and all of a sudden you feel you can't, you're walking. So you need to be prepared for that. We've talked about it, but. You have your, you're, you're have pulling out the your mantras. mantras. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what though? I didn't use them in Cornwall. I had this big list of mentors, but I got so nauseous and felt so disgusting that. But how did I, you push through that, for example? I just, I don't even know. Crystal was in front of me and I was just like, follow the blonde ponytail. Like just, she's going, you can keep going. She's going. Okay. But yeah, I feel like the nausea kind of took over, but it did. Probably my favorite, favorite mantra is the race will hurt expect it to hurt you don't train so it doesn't hurt you train so you can tolerate it okay that's as and i I used to that was a big change for me because i used to train and train and train and i'd be in whatever race i was doing and i'd be like oh i hope this doesn't hurt like and then it would start to hurt i hope this doesn't hurt yeah no it's hurting but it's like it's supposed to hurt if i'm gonna run under 20 minutes for 5k which was my goal that's gonna hurt if it doesn't hurt i'm not gonna be able to do it at my level right it depends what level you're at. Like you could go under 20 minutes and it's probably not going to hurt that much. Right. If I go under 20 minutes, it's going to hurt. If you go under 17, it's going to hurt. But yeah, that's not why we train so that the marathon doesn't hurt. I, lo- I love that one. And like the 30K I did with my friend Matt a couple of weeks ago, it was awful. Yeah, you told us. And we kept running. And now like I know I finished that. Mentally it hurt and I kept going. So then when it happens on race day, that's one of the race, the long runs that I'll bring back and be like that freaking sucked and I kept going and it was really good at the end when we finished and that's why you do the training. Yeah. And I think do, doing the training is really important because especially if you don't like long runs like that I do, I use these long runs as just as you as mental preparation. If you don't like speed work, if you're running 400 meter repeats, the last few 50 meters mm-hmm. or 100 meters are, I don't want to do this anymore. And I can't slow down. No one is pushing me to yeah. To go faster. No one is, I don't have to be accountable to anyone but me. But if you do it, the, the next day, you're going to remember it. Yeah. And on your marathon, you're going to remember it. Oh, remember when I was just doing this and this and this training? And that's, and that's a great strategy. Just write down your top trainings, read them before your, your marathon, and you're going to have them like fresh. Mm-hmm. Like when everything is hurting. Oh, remember when I did that 30 kilometer long run and I was able to do it? Okay, I'm going to keep pushing. Remember those 400 meter repeats that were awful and the last few two, I, I, I thought I couldn't do go as fast and I was able to do it. Okay, I'm going to apply 
I'm going to apply this. Yeah. And I think the number one thing is expect it's going to hurt because you mentioned it. I hope it won't hurt that yeah. you're, you're going into the race with the wrong mindset. Yeah, exactly. Because when it hurts, it's going to, oh, I, I hope it, I did it. It, it, it. it won't hurt. So this is not going as I expected. Yeah. And then you slow down, you start to walk. You start to think, oh, I did something wrong. I'm failing. Yeah. It's, you're just running hard. I think at the elite level, Elliot Kipchoge no, is that's a, a phenomenal runner, but I think what puts him a little bit above everyone else is his mental game. Yeah, that's it. That, I think that's the difference between the greatest ones and the good mm -hmm. ones. Just just a mental game because they all train like crazy. I remember I read Michael Phelps' biography once and his coach focused on that from, from the beginning because yeah. they all train a lot. They all train hours and hours and hours and hours. And that mental, that the little extra that you can give, especially in swimming, for example, they win like by... Point two seconds. Yeah. It's Who's thing. digging deeper at the end exactly. in the last five seconds? Yeah. yeah. So don't hope it's not going to hurt. Hope. <clears throat> yeah. No, no hope. Be aware yeah. that it's going to hurt and just be ready for it. And mantras have a plan. Are, have, have a plan. plan. Mantras are, yeah. are, are a great one. One more mantra you like, and then I'll stop. I won't give you all mine because, well, I can put them on, on Instagram so you can have them all. But just choose your heart. This is one my husband uses a lot. I do. When you're do do it, I'll say marathon because it's what we're talking about. And you've got a certain goal and they're like 10K out. That's when you choose your heart. It's going to suck and be really hard to keep pushing. But it's also going to suck and be really hard if you stop or slow down or, or lose your target. You're going to be of yourself, yeah. Yeah. So do you finish the race and you're in agony and that really hurt, but it's like, I did I it. Yeah. Or do you get that little bit of relief of like slowing down so it feels a little bit better, but then you finish and you're like, I could have went faster than yeah. So it's like, choose your heart. It's going to be harder at, at that point or later. I use that with yeah. my daughter, especially a lot because she doesn't like to do some kind of things. And it's like, yeah, choose your heart. It's mm -hmm. going to be easier now or easier later. Yeah. You're going to feel bad now or bad later. You're going to feel great now or great later. So yeah, I love that. One. Yeah. And the other one is like, raise more. Yeah. I think the more you, I know you can do marathons every weekend. But you can do a park run and, yeah. and test your fitness. 5K, 10K. You can do a, a mile. <laughs> like, I, love, I love doing miles. My fastest mile just a few weeks before a marathon because I know where my fitness is and I, I, I start to training my, myself to push. So doing a mile, one mile won't <laughs> getting, getting, get you injured. I won't say it won't. But Especially if you're doing speed work and you're kind of used to it. If all yeah. of a sudden you just go blast a mile out of nowhere. <laughs> but if you're ready for it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, race more and you're going to start to train that mental part. Obviously, race, expecting that it's going to hurt. Mm -hmm. Expect with, with that mindset, right? Don't go, oh, go, go to that race thinking about training your mental yeah. toughness. And I think the practicing, practice makes perfect. And it's easier to do that in the summer and the fall than it is in the winter. Yeah. Like, I don't know, we're in Canada and there's hardly any races. There's the Richmond Road Race early January. When I did Cornwall, I hadn't raced in months. Yeah. It had been since November. It's like six months almost. But now I've like, I've done Peak to Brew and I've done the Ottawa Race Weekend and I'm going to do a half marathon in Georgina. So it'll like, that mental, like, oh, this sucks, but I can push through it will be more fresh when I do Chicago. Yeah. If you're, and if you're listening to this in January or in winter, winter is a great time of the year to push and become a more strong mentally mm -hmm. runner. Yeah. 
when the weather is shitty, when it's minus 30 degrees, when it's snowing. I, I think that was part of my training for Boston. Yeah. Just going out when I didn't want to and coming back, choosing choosing my heart. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I, I can stay here. I can go to the gym and run on the treadmill. I can, I can go out, suffer for two hours, come back and feeling like a champion because I just ran 30K in minus 30 degrees. Yeah. So you feel, you feel awesome. And that translates to your race. I think in the winter too, the six minute test probably comes in handy. Yeah. Because then if you're doing that every six weeks and you do your six minute test, you're pushing it every month and a half. So that's like, that's a little mini opportunity to work your mental game. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So let's do a little recap of the five things to not do during your marathon. You do the first three. Overtraining. Avoid overtraining. Don't ignore nutrition. And do not skip cross-training, especially strength training. That is. <laughs> Richelle's favorite. Uh, number four, don't neglect your speed work. My favorite. And number five, I think it's underappreciated and under-promoted in the hmm. running Under-practiced, under yeah. Practice. Don't neglect your mental preparation. Yeah. Have mantras, race a lot, and expect it's going to be hard. And I'll say, I would love to do a podcast all on the mental side yeah. of things. So if anybody's listening and you know someone who's a sports psychologist or this is what they do and you think they'd be good, reach out to us. Because yeah. I think it'd be cool to get a guest on and do a whole episode on, like, what do we do at kilometer 32 when we want to die? <laughs> Can you tell me, please? Yeah. I think yeah. The, the, the book Endure by Alex Hutchinson mm-hmm. goes a lot into that, into that aspect. So I'd really recommend that book. Maybe we can interview him. Yeah. I have his you have his contact. Okay. Yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there you have it. Thank you very much. We just mentioned it's okay. Five things not to do during a marathon, but it applies to pretty much every yeah. every race. Yeah, definitely. And life. <laughs> yeah. Don't overeat. That's great for life. <laughs> <laughs> don't overtrain. Don't do anything excessively. Don't skip cross training. Stay active. Yeah. Don't neglect speed work. I don't know how that translates to. Life. It's just fun. Don't neglect it because <laughs> it's fun. Do things, do fun things in yeah, your life. Yeah, do fun things. There you go. <laughs> and well, having a, being mentally strong applies in everyday to life. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to add? No. No. I don't think. Cool. See you next week. Bye. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you love it, give it a share. Please consider subscribing to the show and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify and visit chasingprs.run for all the latest episodes, get our free newsletter and all the cool running stuff we have there. Thanks for joining.